0: Welcome to Three Devs and a Maybe.
1: Now, introducing your show hosts: Michael Bud, Fraser Hart, Lewis Keynes, and Ed Mann. Hello and welcome to another episode of 3 Devs and a Maybe. My name's Ed Mann and today we're very lucky to be joined by a good friend of the show, Joe Watkins. How you doing, Joe?
0: I'm good. Hi, everyone.
1: Good, good, good. Uh, well, lots has happened since we last spoke. One big pressing thing uh, is the fact that we're going to get a JIT in PHP eight. You must be uh, pretty happy about this.
0: Yes, it's very good news. Yeah.
1: So yeah, and another thing you did, so you released a really great article over the weekend, actually, kind of distilling JIT, the JIT compilation process. Uh, and how it'll actually affect PHP and why we want to bring it to PHP. Uh, I thought it'd be really good for the audience, maybe, if we just start off, we go back in time a little bit and really work out kind of how PHP currently compiles and executes code. Uh, so would, would it be all right if you maybe for the audience just explain kind of currently how do we get from the script that we you know we write down to actually executing this?
0: Okay. Well, the the PHP of today has an intermediate form in, in, in the shape of a, an abstract syntax tree. So when you ask PHP to execute a script it passes your textual script into an abstract syntax tree which is a structure that more lends itself to um, the process of actually compiling so the target form is what we call Zendop codes and they're like they're, they're, they're the same as like Java bytecode in that they're interpreted by a virtual processor, not the host processor. So the, the virtual processor, in our cases, we call it the Zen VM, and um, and that's the, the the final target form. The intermediate form, the AST, is um, just a dumb structure that represents the code. It doesn't actually, it doesn't. I mean, it doesn't really do anything for the, for the most part. Uh, you can't execute it it, it it directly. It's um it's it's easier to run. It's easier to run optimizations and the sort of logic a clever compiler needs on AST.
1: So it does an AST and then it will go into opcodes and then opcodes into the VM.
0: The opcodes are what the VM actually executes directly. So the VM is obviously written in C and packaged with PHP. And and so that's, that's already machine code. The, the VM itself is already machine code and it executes the opcodes, which are a result of Um, Are output as a result of compiling the AST. And then that's the final form today.
1: And then the VM is just a big while loop. You can kind of think of it as a very special big while loop.
0: Yeah. While loop with a switch in it or something like that. Yeah. It's a a loop. I mean, it could be a switch or it could be a while loop. Uh, We've got both. Um, But yeah, it's not like really complicated. It just looks at what the instruction is and dispatches to an instruction handler. Um, So like if, if the instructions add it dispatches to, An instruction handler for ad
1: now this feels like it could be this feels like it could be quite you know performance intensive uh obviously this isn't the case php is very fast so how how over the years have you kind of maintained this performance
0: oh well since um since php7 there's been various optimizations i mean complex ones to the hash table but i mean one 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 we can all understand easily is specialized math instruction so before these these were introduced, okay, say you added t- two values together, the instruction handler for that has got to check the type of the values and make sure they're matching, or if they're matching, execute one function, if they're not, execute another. So the instruction handler itself has got several paths, several branches inside it. So if we know the type of variables variables beforehand, which we may know uh, because of typing and because of um Inference that they built into um, optimizes hot cache. It can output a, a specialized instruction, so that rather than rather than doing all that branching and all of that type checking and stuff, it just ex- it, the instruction handler doesn't have to do any of that branching. It just executes the correct function. So that's that's one so, sort of optimizations that have been going on in the VM, and that, that's all that's all really great, and, and it it ta- it takes us. Closer and closer to maximum performance,
1: because I suppose maximum performance is really what you can generate and execute on the the CPU directly. Is really the performance that you're trying to get without you know.
0: I mean, yeah, I mean that that takes us to maximum performance for the VM. But then I was, um, you know, you, you've got to go on to say that that's obviously got a limit because because it's not machine code. It's not taking advantage of. It's not taking advantage of the platforms that it's being executed on. The best way to do that is machine code and and the strategy that we've we've chosen is um, just in time.
1: So obviously, yes, we, we start off with the script. We've got the AST. The AST then goes into the opcodes, and the opcodes get run by the VM at the moment. And it's at the opcode level then that the opcache, that's when we have like this compile time process, and it gets stored into the opcache. And the idea there is there's some performance gains there because it will hit the opcache and only use the opcode, you know, already generated opcodes for it for the runtime instead.
0: Yeah, compiler only, only happens compiler only happens when it must.
1: And that's been like a nice performance boost there, I suppose, as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, we had we had APC before we had Opcache, but the difference is that Opcache has actually got a very smart optimizer built into it. Um, so basically, if you've got Opcache cranked all the way up, the code that's executed is basically the best possible form of code that it could have been written as.
1: That's, yeah, because that's really interesting, because that was something in your blog post, actually. So what actually happens there is then, so you write your code, however you write it, and then, through the case of you know, passing it to the AST, and then going into OpCache or, op, or into the opcodes, it's able then to rewrite this into this perfect, well, the in quotes best version it can, without obviously impeding on the actual computation of what it's actually doing.
0: Yeah, and and also um, the, the Zen compiler is a little bit dumb in a few cases. Uh, it may allocate too many strings or 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 take up too much memory in some cases, and, and and the optimizer can also squish down all them cases and make sure that the code, not just in the sense that you wrote it but in the sense that we store it is also the most efficient that it could be
1: so there's been a lot of work and it, and, and you've seen it through php7 i mean you know the bump from five six to seven was insane thanks to like the ng patch and whatnot and memory computation you know you know consumption and whatnot is you know being improved but yeah so the next thing and this was something in this the G- rfc was the fact that Really, it was like we've reached the extent of the ability to improve PHP performance using other optimization strategies. And as you've just mentioned there, the decision is to move to a JIT. Now, this has been hot topic. I think it was back in 2014 that you and uh, Anthony Ferreira were like playing around with this idea of a JIT. And I think they, you know, in the RSC, they mentioned that there's been plenty of times that this has been tried. Um, but this time, it seems to you know, it's been passed and it, it seems to be successful. Uh, would you mind maybe explaining kind of where the JIT then fits into this flow that we currently have?
0: Okay. Well, it's, it's, it's almost an independent part of opcache at the moment. Okay. But the, I know that the plan is to move some of it at least into Zend. I don't know what form that's going to take, but at the moment, and, and even then it would be an independent part of Zend. Okay. So what it does is after the optimizer runs, it uses information that the optimizer gathered because the optimizer actually has to build um, a control flow graph and it also has to, which
1: is something you actually use for your um, of stuff, isn't it?
0: Yes, and it also has to build a single a single static assignment form of the code because that's easier to do optimizations on of the kind of the kind that it does.
1: W- would you mind maybe explaining what that means? That's quite inter- sounds interesting.
0: Okay, well, in the simplest possible terms, single static assignment form is it's your code, but it makes that it makes sure that every variable is only assigned to once so obviously it has kind support. of immutable
1: when everything is like a mutable yeah. version of your code
0: basically um basically but this is not the code that's run but it's used as part of the analysis for the optimizer and also the jit uses it as well now so the jit using that single static assignment from control flow graph and and the target form of byte of opcodes gradually as it as it goes through the control flow graph, it builds machine code um using um Din ASM, which is part of the Lua JIT project. So that, that's what it does. And and then so that it doesn't have to change the actual engine. Remember I said in, in the VM um, there's instruction handlers. Um what the JIT does is set the instruction handler for the first inf- at the start of some blocks, which I won't go into detail, but the start of some blocks, including the beginning of the function, it sets the handler to the JIT code, so it doesn't have to change the VM.
1: Ah, so it just kind of skips the VM part and goes go to this date directly.
0: Yeah, exactly. So the second instruction is not touched, but the first instruction, because it because it points to the JIT code, the the, the VM hands over automatically to the machine code, and then and then from then on it executes the. Uh, Machine code version of your code, so that's basically how the JIT fits in.
1: That's good. Cool. So it does. It feels like it's that like the minimum impact it can do actually on the current uh, system, but obviously it does provide and inc- start to increase complexity somewhat. Seeing as now the code can not only just go through the VM route, it can go then into this native form.
0: Yeah, exactly. You, um, you you've, you've sort of got two compilers now, and one of them is really hard to understand. We're C programmers, and um, this is stuff is written in a kind of strange form of assembly and generates assembly, and we're C programmers. And while some of us have spent some time with assembly, not, not a bunch, and um, it does increase complexity for, for PHP. That's why it needed to go into PHP 8 and not PHP 7.4, because 7.4 is coming up in a few months, and we just can't have a version of PHP where only a handful of people can actually really fix it.
1: And I remember that was that was one of the talking points, wasn't it? That, you know, obviously 7.4, it was going to be off by default. But the argument there is that anyone and everyone's going to turn it on no matter what, because it's going to be like, hey, this will, you know, this will increase your performance.
0: Yeah, off by default doesn't really mean anything. If it's present, it's going to be used.
1: Especially as it's the hot topic and it's the hot thing, everyone's going to just say, just enable it and forget about it and not realize that why their code, you may be acting in certain ways or, or, you know, maybe problems that happen. And as you said, it was interesting in your article, you know, the fact that although the, the concept of a JIT may still be complex after, you know, and, but during and before and kind of once a PHP 8 is released, at least more people will understand it.
0: Because we've got at least, you know, the next year before before we've even really got a move. Even if we did nothing for a year, we'd still have a few months to, to, to find out all about it. So we've got plenty of time um, that, that when PHP 8 comes out, there'll be a bunch of us that are, that are, that are proficient enough in it to, to still fix bugs like we do today and, and push forward with new features and things. So I'm quite confident that we'll, we'll be okay by the time PHP 8 comes along
1: that's awesome and another thing in your article you mentioned is the, is this concept of io versus cpu bound code uh i think that's one of the interesting things about this is that obviously this seems to this will obviously affect and improve upon the cpu bound code but you know it's the relation between what is io bound to cpu within your application so it's probably making sure to the audience knowing that it's not going to instantly make their code faster say like php7 did
0: yeah um it, it may not for, for most of the most of the code that we that's in the wild today. I mean, by nature, it's I/O bound, and there's some confusion about these terms, what they actually mean. I've even heard someone say that an application that uses asynchronous I/O can't be I/O bound. But I mean, that's just a myth. That's just, oh, Maybe it's a misunderstanding or maybe it's an oversimplification, but um, it's wrong.
1: So what could, would you mind maybe explaining exactly what IO-bound code means then?
0: I, I, like, I like the definition I used in my blog post, so I'm just going to sort of repeat it. Verbatim. An IO-bound piece of code would go faster if we could improve, that's to say reduce or optimize the IO it's doing. CPU-bound code would go faster if we could improve, that's to say reduce or optimize the instructions it's executing, or somehow magically make the cpu go faster so when we when we change something from using synchronous to asynchronous io what we do there is eliminate the waiting so yes it it is nicer to the cpu but if you've got an application that is say you've got a web server and it uses asynchronous io it still has to do the io okay so, yeah, to complete
1: when, the actual process, <laughs> yeah. So, when,
0: when, we look at, when we look at the performance of it, if you, if you profile that top of the profile, are all going to be IO functions just because it remains IO bound, it, it can't, it doesn't magically change just because you've introduced asynchronous IO, that only eliminates waiting, but it still has to do all the work for the IO. And if you look at it in a profile, and right at the top of the profile are io functions you've still got to say that's io bound code if we could improve the io that it's doing it would go faster at the bottom of the of the of the profile is going to be all of the cpu bound stuff like calling the date and time and things and that is never going to you're never going to be able to move that above all of the io stuff because that's the job of the program
1: absolutely yeah so you know the minute you start hitting disk or you hit the database you know or you open up you know for network or something that's then going to be your bottleneck uh, and it doesn't matter how much you know CPU performance stuff you do, you're going to have the bottleneck there. And unless you either remove that or you say improve upon that, that's going to be the problem in the code. And a lot of obviously our typical web apps, you know, they have a database backend, they have CRUD stuff and everything, and that's going to be the issue.
0: Yeah, that um, in, in today's applications, they're, they're going to be mostly. I mean, there's going to be exceptions. And we can't we can't really generalise about what they would look like, but we can generalise and say that ma- ma- the majority of code written in PHP is by nature IO bound.
1: So the so the idea then of including the JIT now then is really for the CPU bound stuff. But obviously we're not going to get the benefits that we did from seven. If people like, people can't really think, right, I'm going to get an even better boost from eight that I than I did from seven with my current you know maybe
0: WordPress blog. Oh well you know I mean they may get a boost it, it might only be 5 or 10% or something but I mean that's not the kind that's not the kind of improvement we see when when we look at when we look at cpu bound code I mean you should expect uh, you know I'm not going to put a number on it but um you, you should expect a, a very significant margin of improvement if your code is cpu bound but if but if it's not and it's i/o bound then it's go, it's going to improve some of the cpu bits that you're doing but it's not really going to improve the overall applica- applications performance. It's just going to be a five or ten percent difference. But
1: which is still a, a pretty good thing, though. I mean, and, and I suppose the thing with this JIT then is that it broadens the horizons and like the problem space that PHP can be used for. Then I'm guessing that's the reason we want to bring the JIT in is the fact that we can now start using PHP for other domains or applications.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah that's right but i just want to say about the 5 or 10% or whatever the the the, the insignificant you might say performance now it's insignificant for an application no, there's no doubt about that it's not going to it's not going to make your application remarkably better but there is a draw for the people that are hosters and and that don't run one mm. application. Yeah, it's the
1: economy is a scale, isn't it? It's yeah. like the amount that you're actually doing. Ten percent is a big, you know, saving if, over if, a big spread. Yeah,
0: exactly. If if you if you run a data center and that ten percent means you can get rid of ten percent of the rented hardware that you've got, then you're saving a lot of money. If you're someone that runs a shared hosting and you can put more people on a the server, then you're saving a lot of money. So it's not. St- totally insignificant, but it's insignificant performance-wise with regard to each individual application. Um, It's not the sort of performance you want from JIT. It works best on CPU-bound code, and that's when you'll really see it shine. And that's what it's all about, expanding horizons, really.
1: Did you find that you're already seeing maybe confusion from people um, that you know, think that this will improve their code and that, that, that you know, it's kind of going to be a lot of education around the JIT and maybe the fact that people are just going to have to forget about the JIT, that it's not something that they can tweak their code for to make it faster. And, and you know, it's really just it's magic internals that, you know, will do certain things for certain problem domains. Basically, yeah. I mean, because it's got obviously a lot of hype at the moment because it's this new thing that's, you know, I mean, it's great that it's been added, you know, it's been years and years, uh, but obviously the general, the general audience or the general, you know, the user base, user base of PHP probably assumes that this is just going to be some performance thing that they can tweak their code to make it quicker or something. And it's just, yeah, it, it, there, there needs to be kind of understanding there that that's not the case.
0: I have seen such understanding and that was sort of the reason for writing the blog post and, um, I'm much better in the written word than I am at spoken, so I would say probably read the blog post if you're not getting.
1: Well, I would say you're you're both good in in written form and also on the podcast. So I wouldn't beat yourself up there, man.
0: I like doing the podcast, but I just I don't know when I'm rambling and. and... It's, it's i'm better at writing stuff down because you can go over it and edit it and obviously it's more it's it, it you know it's more fine-tuned language than you just spoke well, yeah
1: and i'd say for the audience definitely i'll put it in the show notes you know it's a very succinct kind of document you know documented really kind of like a documentary about kind of how this has come to be and what to expect um so we've mentioned there like the trader so the trade-offs then for having a jit, is then between the speed it's going to give us, but also the complexity. And how, you know, obviously it was included, uh, Dimitri included it, it's been added, it's been an RFC. And obviously there was a big push to try and get it into 7.4, and now it's going to 8. Who's currently hot, you know, kind of looking into it? I know obviously you are.
0: Oh, well, I mean, Dimitri's still committing to it. He's merged it already, and he's still committing to it, making little improvements and documenting things as well, and comments, which is nice. But at the moment, I mean, it has just only been merged for a few days, so I imagine Nikita's obviously been reading it since he could, since it since it was announced, and so is Bob.
1: Has, it, has there been any unexpected kind of bugs that have been found already, or has it been pretty good so far? I mean, it's obviously it's been so early days.
0: Well, since the merge, it's been it's been okay, I think. Um, a couple of typos and things but nothing major, but when it was first proposed, I mean, the thing that was merged is quite different to the thing that was first proposed. Uh, when it was first proposed, it didn't support windows or Mac or um, send thread safety.
1: Oh yeah. I remember that from last time, actually. Yeah. That, those were two, those were some big things to try and not, you know, to get in before seven, four, just being able to support Linux.
0: Well, there, there, there's, yeah, there is windows support now and there is said safety. So it's in much better shape now than it was when it was first announced. So, uh, I don't expect that really the bugs will start coming in until it's got people using it and testing it. Um, and Dimitri was sort of panicked about that because he wanted to get it out there as soon as possible. But, I mean, everyone uses Travis. I mean, not everyone, but, you know, a lot of people use Travis. And that's got a PHP nightly. So the next time it builds, it's going to have the JIT built in. So you can add a job run run it That's it, so you JOT, get numbers on there. See if it, fi- see if it fails, you know. It, it, I think I think that once people start actually testing, then we'll get the bugs rolling. But I, I don't I don't know how many. I mean, it, it, it's actually quite simple. I, I, it, we we say simple and complex, and people often take them as opposites, but they're not really opposites. When I say it's simple, I mean it's not the most complicated version of the code that it could be. He's taken efforts to make it simple, and and that pays off in potential paths for bugs. So, I don't, I don't really expect it to be f- absolutely full of bugs. I mean, it already runs things like WordPress and, and such, so we've got we've got a reasonable amount of confidence that there won't be a huge amount of bugs. But the next year isn't really only about bugs; um, it's actually about improving it because it is the simplest version of the code it could be. And op- there's optimization strategies we want we, we want to implement, and there's um, j- just to make it the, the best version it could be. And if it was put in 7-4, it would have to have just been abandoned there while we work on the 1-8, because there's guarantees we can't change the Abbey. And so in 7-4, it would have just been dumped and then abandoned. And uh, so that wasn't, I mean, you don't really see the benefit of that. But yeah, we've got the next year now until PHP 8-2 make it more make it more production ready i suppose
1: yeah Uh, yeah and tried, true and tested i mean the more the more eyes you have in it the more code execution paths you go through on it and everything you get to see it in you know working and i understand maybe his argument was he wants to see it in production working but everyone would turn it on and as you say the api and everything would have to be committed there and there's a lot of decisions that you can kind of leave now and kind of work through and mature on over you know because it was it just came out it was released and it's like phpng it just comes out is a thing that then a lot of people need to get their heads around
0: and that's our that's our sort of that's our perspective of it but for zend i mean they have actually been working on it in the open for the last two years it's just we didn't have time to pay attention to a branch of of, of, a fork of php on someone's github so no one's really no one's really kept up to date with it until they announced it and then and, and now quite i imagine quite a few people have spend some hours reading it
1: no that's really cool and so as a developer then so kind of thinking about it so you know you you have your pitch pa you've got your jit enabled and you you know maybe you're doing some debugging you're going through some code will that change at all for you will you know you're debugging you know loading up x debug running stepping through code and stuff change it all or is it really you know completely internal that you know it will not be seen at all by by the developer themselves
0: well, I can't really give you a full answer to that at the moment because the answer is we don't really know. In the case of XDebug, this is complicated. Okay, so how do you set a breakpoint in, in in
1: this is the, yeah that that's the thing, isn't it? Because you know, working with the VM and operability with the JIT are two different animals.
0: Yeah, it's not impossible. I mean, how to set a breakpoint in the machine code is well known, but that's not part of XDebug's tooling at the moment it 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 doesn't know anything about that or how to do that um so there's going to be there's going to be a a fair amount of work that needs to go on there both internally and within the XDebug extension but and also um with peak i mean that actually just doesn't let the jit execute at the moment because there isn't another way to operate um but since it's fast enough I'm not really worried about while well, you're collecting coverage.
1: Yeah, it turns out to come then do some JIT stuff as well. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, while you're collecting coverage, the JIT won't work. But I mean, it's fast enough that that doesn't really matter.
1: I suppose. I suppose it's like a PHP crash log or something. You know, those kind of things where if there's a problem, you then need to be able to debug and dump. You know, the JIT. You know, kind of execution paths as well as the VM.
0: That it actually does not work very well, but um, it's not. It doesn't work very well for anything. I've I've tried it before in other projects, and the GDB is just not very good at dissembling JIT code. But we have got the integration, and I am sure it will get figured out. Uh, but that started. But I mean, that's not what Xdebug is. Xdebug is not a debugger at that level, nor is nor is PHP Debug. They they are a level at the debugger of Zend, and they can't go any lower. They they don't know how to, and and to make them do so will be. Extremely complicated. Um, so I don't even know if it will happen. It, it might just be that when you're running Next Debug, you can't have the JIT um, at least at first, which I don't like. Um, I, I don't like. You should be able to debug the code that's being executed, and and you should be able to execute what you execute at run at runtime in production. Um, you should be able to execute that at development time. But but it's complicated, and there's a lot of work to go into it. And I don't know if it's actually going to happen before 8 does.
1: Well, I think that's, you know, more the reason the fact they're pushing it for 8, you know, just to have these kind of decisions, these discussions. Um, Another thing from the JIT RSE was that, and we, we did touch on it last time, is making the JIT available can provide us with the ability to develop inbuilt functions in PHP instead of or in addition to C. Now, this is something very interesting of the ability to be able to say, right, almost like performance of a C extension, but in PHP code thanks to the fact of it being you know, jitted and whatnot. Uh, it, it, I'm just wondering, is this the motivation behind Anthony Ferreira's PHP compiler project that's been getting a lot of kind of buzz recently? Uh, is that something you've been looking into?
0: The ability to write what we would write today as internal code in PHP seems appealing, but not everyone is going to have the JIT enabled all the time, but just because of the reasons I just said. you know, t- Some tooling is going to have to disable it at first. So if, if if it's the case that we can write this function in PHP and it doesn't um, perform that much differently whether the JIT is enabled or not, then then it makes sense to have it in PHP because it can it's uh, less less path for bugs and whatever. But but if it's the case that if we write this in code that's supposed to be JIT and then the JIT is disabled and and the code performance is terrible, then that's not really we can't really talk about doing that.
1: Because t- is this something that Hack does, or Hack did do, have this kind of ability, and they were writing PHP?
0: Yeah, yeah you can write modules in Hack, I think, yeah. Uh, and, and also, like Rust and lots of other languages um, allow you to write the module in, your, in the target language.
1: But I'm guessing they have the JIT enabled by default all the time, so you don't get these performance hits.
0: Well, a lot of the time, some of them not, might not even have a JIT. Okay, so so I, that that sort of leads us into what Anthony's doing. Anthony's... Um, started work a long time ago on a compiler for php first it sort of tried to generate c c modules
1: so it would be php code that you would then compile and it would create the actual c module for you
0: yeah um but for various reasons i mean that just can't work you can't take a, a thing like that to production and then he got into um that Recy ct thing Um, which was a bit better because it used um, an interface to libjit to actually compile machine code at runtime like a jit does. But that didn't have the ability to output executables, and it's sort of, with libjit, most of the things that you need, like optimizers, you've actually got to write them yourself. So it's more of a framework than a ready-built solution. And now he's working on the same stuff, but it's got various different names. He split it out into different um sub projects and he's sort of organizing his thoughts in code sort of thing. So the name of it might change. But what it is is um he, he now he, he wants to focus on ahead of time compilation. He wants JIT to be available but he he wants to be able to compile PHP statically to machine code ahead of time, like C or C is.
1: So I suppose then the benefit there then is the fact that then you don't have to worry at all about the VM, at all about alt codes, at all about anything. It's happened already. Yeah. Now, what, what, what are the drawbacks, drawbacks with that? I'm guessing it has to be then machine dependent.
0: No, because, because now we've got FFI, the foreign function interface. Uh, he just interfaces with whatever's available on the system, LLVM or, or GCC, JIT or, or whatever's on the system. So the drawbacks are that it's extremely complicated and that compiling code ahead of time is often slow, but we don't care because we do it ahead of time, which means before you want to execute it, basically.
1: Mm. Yeah, I suppose you do it once, and then obviously you can run the actual you know compile code as many times as you want.
0: Yeah. So, but yeah, the drawbacks are complexity and slowness, but it's a really good idea, though. So that's that's what he's working on at the moment, and I, and I hope it actually reaches a stage where we could use it. I mean, the JIT is great, but uh, ahead of time is is also extremely appealing especially if it's written in php because everyone can understand that
1: so so the idea then would be you'd have your php you'd then be able to compile it ahead of time or you know maybe on its first pass it would compile it and then run it and then you've got that for the other execution
0: it's actually more complicated than that it first uh, it 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 will first use uh, ast and then and then it might generate an ir and then the IR is what the backend will compile. So it's a bit more complicated than... than um, and, so, and
1: so the FFI then there is to interface with all these different, comp- you know, like LLVM and Libjit yeah. and all the other ones. Yeah. And so without the FFI, you couldn't, inter- you, know, you couldn't easily kind of, you know, work between these.
0: You would have to write the extension. So you'd have to have like four or five extensions loaded or whatever, um, which, is no, which is no good. I mean, it's not very appealing for most people.
1: So what's the traction? What's the, what's the, in the, uh, in the pitch PHP core kind of, what's been the traction with this project? You know, is it, this sounds, it sounds really interesting. It obviously extends upon the JIT stuff, but completely takes a different way of doing it.
0: It's a totally different approach actually. Mm. Um, it, it's not really going to be a core. It's not really going to be a core project, but I mean, just being able to think about writing this stuff and have it not be totally ridiculous it, is appealing. I mean, when this is run on PHP, obviously the, the goal for any, compiler is to, to be self-hosted which means that the compiler should be able to compile its own code that's so meta isn't it <laughs> yeah yeah um but obviously that that's the target but even if before i mean that's not really necessary and it can be useful if we, we can now talk about having compiler having parsers and compilers in in php because we know it doesn't matter what happens with even if it was a different project and it wasn't supposed to be a self-hosting compiler just being able to talk about having a parser and it not be stupid is one of the reasons that we're we're, we're excited for php8 because that that code will be that code will be translated us to the best form that it could be and 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 then it will be generated in machine code so it there would be no, there will be no remarkable difference between. I mean, in theory, it's not practice yet, but there would be no remarkable difference between handcrafting that, um, comp- that parcel in C or writing it in PHP. So that's the argument, insane. Yeah, it, I mean, it's not, it's not reality yet. I've got to stress that it's not reality. But in principle, that's what a JIT allows. Well,
1: and there, there seems to be like a path that's kind of at least see. You know, you're able to see somewhat of a path to get there, or at least you yeah, know, yeah. kind of comprehend.
0: Yeah, that, that, that's exactly it. It, it. It's a platform which allows us to make that, to make an approach to that being a, a fact that there's no difference between writing it in C or C plus plus and PHP. There will always be a difference because you only be
1: negligible compared to the fact of yeah. No, yeah, that makes a lot of sense.
0: You can only ever approach it. I mean, you can't you can't reach it, not realistically, but you can you can you can get very close.
1: No, oh, awesome. And another uh, blog post that you released last month, actually, and it was just after we. Re- it was just, literally just after we'd uh, done our podcast. Uh, it was about um, your parallel concurrency API, a new one that you released. Um, maybe would it be great, but for the audience, maybe to discuss like the motivations to release this and, and like really the reasons for using it, maybe over getting everyone just to use P threads.
0: Okay, I watch internals quite quite closely, and it just became apparent since. Reading the JIT RFC and since starting to read the code, that Pthreads is going to ruin this because it just has to do so much work to make, to, to provide the API that it does. And the API that it provides is sort of like, um, Java's Threads API, some, some of the parts of it. Yeah.
1: I remember you saying you were inspired by the, the uh, Java one.
0: Yeah. Um, but it just breaks the rules because what we have here is a share nothing environment. And what P Threads does is jump through hoops that are on fire to break the rule <laughs> of, of share nothing. I mean that's basically what it does. And it just became apparent that it can't it can't work. For practical reasons it can't work because of internals, but even if I were to fix that, we would still be left with this horrible monster. When I first wrote P Threads, the Java rapy was, in my mind, cutting edge. I was wrong about that. It wasn't cutting edge; it was just what I was used to. And um,
1: well, it was cutting edge for PHP.
0: Yeah, yeah, but I, I mean, mean it even was at, definitely. Even at the time, even at the time, other appies existed. That um,
1: I think, yeah, and when you mean more appies, I think you mean like more abstract appies, don't you? Yeah, like yeah. Simpler, simpler for you know, like the idea of Go with channels and stuff. These different abstractions on top, whereas maybe you're providing like the Java one, which is quite raw about what it does
0: yeah exactly, because threading is really hard, and the more of it you can hide within within the implementation, the more of it you can keep away from the user the and you can reliable. change as you want and and the more reliably they're going to be able to use it as well, because not everyone knows the rules of everything, and having to teach them them, it almost sort of defeats the point because th- th- what what they end up with is really complicated code that's difficult to debug and difficult to understand and difficult to model in your head Um, because they've got all this additional stuff that's not really related to what they're doing, but it's like, it would be like, it would be like if you had to write, um, if you had to give hints to Zend everywhere for how to execute the code, it would be like, it would be like dot comments everywhere that, that tells Zend to do it this way or to do it that way. And, I mean, imagine that it would just—that's what you end up with um, with p threads. Um, I made a mistake. I didn't listen when people said you are making a mistake, and I just carried on and <laughs> didn't listen to anyone for years and years. And and now I realise we can't—that we, for practical reasons can't work. And even if I worked around those practical reasons, it just can't work. Um, so I need—we needed a new appy that that was going to be compatible with the JIT that was going to simplify it as much as possible and hide away all of the details of locks and condition variables and that sort of thing, so they don't even have to think about that. And so I've sort of gone after um It's not so much different to um, Go routines. I mean, I'm reluctant to say that because... I'm reluctant to say that because obviously there's differences. But in principle, what you execute is... A function, which is what which is what Go routines do, and the 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 main the main difference is that um, it uses a a future value pattern rather than channels. But channels are on the way. I'm actually I was writing it today. Channels are on the way, so nice. in, In the end, they're not going to be that much different to to Go routines. So that that was the target. I mean, that's the gold standard at the moment. That's what everyone says. This is making parallel concurrency easy. So that's what we should be doing.
1: For, for the audience, would you mind maybe going into a little bit about what Go channels are and kind of how that abstraction kind of works?
0: Um, Go routines is like the unit of execution in, in um, Go. but um, So it's it this unit of concurrency, I should say. And what it does is it allows you to pass a function to the function Go and then Go dispatches that to another thread or green thread, depending on various things. And channels are the way that those units of concurrency communicate with each other. Um, it's sort of like a, a two-way socket where you, you you send on one side and you receive on the other, and and you can and then you can send on one side and receive on the other. So, and 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 that's what makes it easy because it totally hides all of the no- needing to know about locking and yeah, semaphores, about,
1: locking, all that stuff.
0: Yeah, it hides away all of the implementation details in this easy to un- understand send and receive interface. And and like anyone can understand anyone that can read and write a file can understand it. So that's that's the the, the most um, appealing thing about having that kind of API. So um, that that's how Go does concurrency, and it works really well, and and it scales off the chart. I, I will say now that PHPs won't scale in the same way, because in Go every Go routine is not necessarily a thread. And in PHP, it is. But that could be changed. It's just that at the moment, it, that's how it is.
1: So the, the parallel extension you're making, is that based off the work you've done with pthreads or is it a completely separate implementation that's obviously taken into consideration the JIT and whatnot?
0: Yeah, no, it's totally separate. I mean, it, it's built on experience I've gained while, while writing and developing pthreads. But I mean, they don't share code or they don't share any API or anything like that.
1: And I should mention, actually, there was a tweet that you posted, I think probably about a couple of weeks ago, and it combined, it was the JIT and your Parallel stuff with this PHP Terminal NES emulator. And I thought it was just great. And I'll put it in the show notes like the link to the GitHub and everything to show the, you know, what the possibilities are.
0: Yeah, it's, it's quite amazing, actually. The, the, the NES emulator gets about six or eight frames a second or something. And um, with Parallel and JIT, it got 160 odd frames a second.
1: So now that so, just shows you. So that there, there, there's some like kind of use cases you can actually see yeah. it working and improving on.
0: I mean, nobody needs a NES emulator, but it is a it is an interesting um, it is an interesting case to test on. Um, but yeah, that's obviously extremely very CPU bound code, and that's the kind that's the kind of that's the kind of improvement that you're looking for.
1: Well, but it also is. I mean, it's highlighting again, like you know. Same PHP, I, you in your blog post, you know, you mentioned look, we've got the web covered. If you're not thinking of PHP and a biased approach, you know, biased opinion, you know, for web, you're, you're doing it wrong because it, it does it very well. It's got a good ecosystem and it's tried, tried and tested. Um, now it's the idea of, you know, obviously people don't, you know, the idea of a polyglot approach using different tools, different languages for different things. But we have a big ecosystem and a big library of things and, and PHP and it's trying to expand its horizons and use it for different problem spaces um, you know, and and these the JIT and the parallel stuff is is doing that.
0: Yeah, the, the, the approach won't change if you're a polyglot. It's just that PHP is going to get better at some things, and and so where it wasn't a candidate before, you got you got to consider it in the you you may have to consider it in the future. So it hasn't really changed, but I mean, there's always going to be things that are better than PHP. But now we just we just squeezed into a new space, and now it's reasonable to consider it for these for these.
1: Yeah, and you get to use the same tooling, the same ecosystem, the same you know, packages that you already do and whatnot. I mean, this is why people like Clojure and Scala target the JVM, so that they can use Java's ecosystem. Uh, you, know, you, you, you do this so you've got the pre-existing stuff, and you're able now to, as you say, use it or maybe at least consider it for a new, another problem that's going in the future.
0: Yeah, um, that, that's, that's what it's all about, expanding, expanding the horizons there, what, what we can do, what we can reasonably do.
1: Absolutely, and another thing that's been uh, approved now. And this one's actually for seven four. Is your weak references RFC? Uh, I'm just wondering: is there any? Was there any additions or amendments since our last discussion on this before it was approved?
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I changed the implementation because um, hours before the voting ended, someone pointed out that the implementation could be much more efficient and simpler. So I just snuck in those changes at the last minute
1: without anyone noticing. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. What we were voting on, really, is are we going to have this or not? Well,
1: it's the idea, isn't it? Yeah. I think I think the idea, I mean, the implementation is one thing, but the idea, I mean, mainly for these RFC processes, like you mentioned, was it's all about ideas. Like, it's really your back and forth with the idea of it.
0: I always say an RFC should come with a patch. I think in the rules it says it doesn't have to, but I mean, I think it should. But but that doesn't mean that this is the patch we're going to merge. And even if we see ways to improve it, we're going to ignore them because that's what we voted on. There's nothing like that going on. We're just deciding, are we going to have this? This is maybe an implementation of it. And, and and yeah, so I passed. So I just snuck them changes in. But I wasn't really happy about it, but I was convinced by other people that it was okay.
1: What, what what Would you mind maybe explaining kind of like a high level what actually bits you did change, just out of curiosity?
0: Uh, uh, well, the appy that was first in the RSC had a – normal constructor so and we maintained a list of weak references in relation to the referent so that when the referent goes out of scope we can update the weak references but it was pointed out that the list is actually pointless because all of the objects in the list are precisely the same and uh and it would be it would be simpler if we did not have to maintain that big list because of the way constructors work in php we had to change from the normal construct to a, a named constructor or a static method so the constructor has gone and now we've got um, weak reference create which is will always return the, the same object the same weak reference object so we don't have to and in your code also you don't have to worry about well have i got have i got the only weak reference to this or is, is, it, is it somewhere else um so yeah oh, that's cool yeah
1: no i mean that's exactly it like those changes like that you've you've you know you've brought a patch in which would work uh and then obviously you know you're changing it but yeah the foundation thing of it hasn't really changed like the fundamentals of what actually you're, you know you're proving.
0: yeah we answered the question are we going to have weak references in this simple way and everyone said yes so we got it
1: yeah because well, you remember you saying like the weak references that i mean they weren't fundamentally working in seven three but like the, the, the actual PECL package that people were using couldn't work. So it's either we do it this way and bring it into court or we're never going to get it again.
0: Yeah, basically. I know there's a few projects that tweeted at me, Oh, thanks for t- taking that through the voting thing. Um, I know there's a few projects that actually do want to, want to use it. And it's a shame that all of 7.3 is basically useless to them.
1: Yeah, that must, be, that must be tough, actually. The fact, yeah, now that they've obviously, I mean, if they rely on this or it's something that they want, you know, caching obviously is a big thing there. You know, it, it is a bad thing that, you know, obviously now 7-3 is completely a no-no for them.
0: Yeah, but um, it's since seven four, so only a few more months, and I think they're probably already testing.
1: That's awesome. Another thing, actually, and this is the final one before I let you go, because I know we're keeping you for too long. Uh, and and we something we actually haven't spoken about before, uh, and it's been around since like twenty sixteen, I think. I remember it was first created. It's this abolish narrow margins uh, was a was an RFC that you actually posted um, or you know created, and it has been approved now, which is great. Uh, would you mind explaining like the motivations behind this RFC?
0: Okay, well. We've got one document when it comes to how voting works. And the language in it is really fuzzy. And it said that for some RFCs, the bar has to be two thirds. And for other RFCs, it can be half. And then it gave an example of what might want the higher bar of two thirds. But then that came to mean over time that the only thing that people think needs a two thirds is the, the example that it gave. Um, which was language feature, which isn't even a which isn't even a distinct description of anything. I mean, it doesn't mean anything.
1: And obviously people want people prefer the 50-50 one because it's easier for them to get something in.
0: Yeah. But um so what the abolished narrow margins RFC was about was just dropping this 50, 50 plus one thing. And everything needs two thirds. That's simple. Because you're
1: always going to have an argument. (laughs) If it's like 49, 51, we all know that one, you know, you're always going to have an argument.
0: It wasn't really about, it wasn't really about stopping the particular RSC. It was more about, I mean, if you look at the politics of the world at the moment, when things happen on narrow margins, such as Trump being elected or such as Brexit, it breeds unhappiness. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's unhealthy. And we could totally avoid that just by raising the bar. Um, so,
1: which the bar is already set in pitch B, it's just the fact of now actually making that the only bar. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah, it was already a, a known thing to aim for. It's just, mm.
1: it's just, it's just red, You know, it's kind of subjective. If you wanted to say, you know, wh- which bar you'd prefer it to go by.
0: Yeah, it, but it wasn't really about stopping one. I Although, obviously, I was provoked to do it by. Um, the JIT, because at first they, they, they put that they were going to get it in on a, on a narrow margin of 50%, which I don't think is acceptable. It, it, it so happens that everyone knew it was going to get voted into eight. So it wouldn't have stopped it. It's just it clarifies the thing and it gives us less to...
1: Yeah, it, it makes the rules the rules and you just follow the rules.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's simple. And, and, and for new contributors as well, what what does language feature mean? What is language like that so difficult to understand if you're not already...
1: I can ask who decides on this mar- like this margin like who decides who, what you know to deem it a language feature or to deem it you know that they have to go they can go by the 50 you know 50 split like which who, who sets the bar
0: well it was generally the person who wrote the rfd and yeah, then, so and the, they, they,
1: so their incentive is to do the lower bar
0: yeah and then you can call them out on it but they're, they're not obli- they weren't obliged to change it um so that just removes all of that Mm-hmm. Everything needs a two-thirds two majority. You, you want to have confidence that when something goes into something as widely used as PHP, you want to have confidence that this is actually what people want.
1: Yeah, you want general um, consensus that the majority, without conflict, you know, want this.
0: And when, and when you've got your, your 50, 51% and 49% disagree with you, that's not a consensus. That's actually almost perfectly a disagreement. It's almost exactly 50-50. That's disagreement eh, right in the middle. Yeah, absolutely. It's got to be... That's gotta, you can't call that as a consensus. It just doesn't make any sense. You, 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 need, to have a, you, you need to have some other bar. And since we've already chosen two-thirds, that, that it made sense to change Two it Two-thirds
1: seems uh, like a good majority as well.
0: Yeah, but then you get people saying, well, what if it's only three votes? And, uh, you know, what about quorum? And, well, okay, they're, they're good ideas, but let's just let's just focus on this one thing.
1: Yeah, because... well, this, this is where, yeah exactly. That's one problem at a time. Slow, small RFCs focus RFCs as opposed to these things that just bloon out into you know, craziness.
0: One problem at a time is exactly it. But actually, further than that, let's just only actually solve problems that we've got. Things don't actually go through on three votes. <laughs> That's not a problem we've got. The problem we've got is the confusing language around how long a vote should last for. I mean, not, not how long it should last for, the, the majority i'm working on another one now for how long it should last for
1: well, i think you're doing a really good job there man and it, it must be hard these, these are you know they're not the technical kind of discussions but actually you know really you know the, the valuable ones because this is what keeps a project language going
0: yeah and, and it wasn't it, um, quite a lot of people have said oh what, why are you trying to slow stuff down and why are you trying to make it harder to get things into php but i'm not trying to do that it would have hardly made any difference.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask it. So, so did you kind of do a retrospective and see what RFCs may have got had problems with this?
0: I mean, um, uh, the FFI one would have um, that only got on a narrow margin. But I didn't go back all the way in history. But I believe um, scalar type hints might have been affected. But I mean, it wouldn't have stopped this progress. It, it would have. Maybe it would have slowed it down. That's the most you can say about it.
1: Yeah, they would have like tweaked it, and eventually, it would have gone in.
0: Yeah, exactly. It, it wouldn't have actually stopped these things. It would have just made sure that at the point that we merged them, that we had an actual consensus that we can say we, we can trust. Um, so yeah, that, that, that's what all that was about.
1: No, it's awesome, man. Well, thanks again so much, Joe, for coming on the show. It's always interesting talking to you about all this stuff. And, uh, yeah, kind of, you know, it is amazing, you know, the the development in PHP and the exciting stuff that's constantly going around, you know. I mean, the work you're doing, like, parallel stuff is amazing. So it's really, really cool. Cool. All right, then, audience. Well, it's been another great episode, and we shall speak to you next week. Goodbye. You've been listening to Three Devs and a Maybe. You can contact us at contact at three devs and a maybe dot com or follow us on Twitter at the number
0: three devs and a maybe.